Then they, Jesus and his disciples, arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As Jesus stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time, he'd worn no clothes, this man, and didn't live in a house, but he lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times, the unclean spirit had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demons into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered him. They begged him, the demons did, not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherds saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. And then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who'd seen it, told them how the one who'd been possessed by demons had been healed. And then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat, Jesus did, and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So the man went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. The Gospel of the Lord. So I didn't plan to make today all about Juneteenth. Back in May, though, I realized that June 19th, this newly minted federal holiday actually fell on this Sunday, and so I thought it'd be meaningful and fun to just collect a Mission Sunday offering for this month in honor of that occasion. And then this week, I asked Jeannie to play, at first service anyway, that black national anthem called Lift Every Voice and Sing, so we did that. And then I saw that we were going to be reading that bit from Galatians that we just heard, which promises that baptized into Christ Jesus, we are no longer Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free, but that we are all one, thanks to faith, thanks to the grace of our Creator, and thanks to our shared humanity as children of God. So I thought maybe the universe was trying to tell me something that Perhaps the stars and the lectionary and the calendar might have aligned in such a way that maybe there's supposed to be more said and more wondered about and more learned here on Juneteenth. I'm guessing I'm not the only one who just started learning about Juneteenth as something worth commemorating within the last few years or so, right? 
It was only declared a national holiday last year, but within the last two or three years, as far as I remember, Juneteenth started showing up on my Google calendar, much to my surprise without any effort of my own. It just showed up like Martin Luther King Jr. Day, like Memorial Day, like Arbor Day, like Flag Day, like Father's Day. And not only was I surprised and curious about that, once I looked into it, I was a little embarrassed that I'd never been taught or told about it before, since it's been celebrated this holiday by black people in our country since it happened the first time in 1865. The short story is that June 19th, Juneteenth, marks the day in 1865 when Union soldiers finally announced to enslaved people in Texas that they were free. What's sad and significant and worth celebrating about Juneteenth is that this announcement finally came to those enslaved children of God in Texas, which was the last state in the country to hear the news, which didn't happen until more than two months after the Civil War ended, which the traitorous Confederacy and those longing to keep their right to own people lost, of course. And the announcement of Juneteenth's liberation came to enslaved Texans more than two years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which would have otherwise at least symbolically granted to these people their freedom. So the significance of the Juneteenth holiday is that it means to mark for our country an even more full, comprehensive Independence Day than what the 4th of July ever could actually mean for the millions of enslaved Americans who were owned and terrorized and treated as property for so many generations. Maybe you've heard Frederick Douglass, the escaped slave and black abolitionist, what he had to say to white people on the 4th of July in 1852. He said, the rich inheritance of justice Liberty, prosperity, and independence bequeathed by your fathers is shared by you, not me. The sunlight that brought life and healing to you has brought stripes and death to me. The 4th of July is yours, not mine. Wow. I marvel at the cojones it took for a black man in 1852 to say that to an assembly of white people. Can you imagine? So if we buy what Paul is selling in Galatians, and I hope we do, that our baptism and our faith and the abundance of God's grace makes us one in Christ Jesus, that we are no longer bound by the labels and by the limits and by the institutions of this world, no longer male or female, Remember last week's sermon about pride and pronouns? No longer male or female. No longer Gentile or Jew. No longer slave or free. If we buy all that, then the freedom and liberation of Juneteenth is quite a day worth celebrating for us. All of us. Not just our black neighbors, our black friends, our black brothers and sisters, our black fellow citizens. All of which brings me to Jesus and this strange story from Luke's gospel. It's especially strange, this story, when we take it at face value and try to make 21st century sense 
out of this moment when Jesus does this weird thing. Exercises a host of demons from a possessed man. Sends those demons into a herd of pigs who are then driven madly into a lake where they drown, apparently because even though fat floats, pigs can't swim. Well, I learned a while ago that some smarter people than me believe this story, like so many other stories in Scripture, might have more meaning if we read it literately, not just literally. It's a hard story to take literally anyway once someone reminds you or tells you that this place called Gerasa was 20 to 30 miles inland. So to say Jesus got off a boat and stepped onto shore in Gerasa is impossible anyway. Anyway, these wise scholars point out that the occupying Roman army had a history of terrorizing Jews in the region known as Gerasa. So that when this possessed man names his demon Legion, a word used by Rome to quantify its military power, and when that legion of demons gets cast into some unholy, unclean, symbolically sinful swine as far as Jews were concerned, then drowned. Anyone listening to this story in first century Palestine would have connected that demonic legion to the legions of the oppressive Roman Empire and realized that Rome just got owned by that Jew from Nazareth named Jesus. The moral and the message of the story then would have been one of hope and vindication and justice and joy that the kingdom of God in Jesus was more powerful even than the empires of this world. And, of course, that God in Jesus always, always, always stands for and stands with and sides with the outcasts, the outsider, and the oppressed in this world. So I see a lot of common ground between what Jesus is up to with this possessed man and the Gerasenes and what happened for the enslaved people in our own country just a few short generations ago. As always, Jesus' message is one of good news for the poor, freedom for the oppressed, and release for the captives. Happy Juneteenth. Sadly, the other common ground we can find in this story is that not everyone gets that, or wants that, or welcomes that, or is willing or able to hear that kind of good news for all people. In Garissa, it was the swineherds and all those town people who missed the point. The swineherds were probably mad that they'd lost their valuable property, all that livestock that couldn't swim, was lost and gone forever. This is, of course, what upset so many slaveholders and the Confederacy in general back in the 1860s, too. And who knows what made the average Baron Garrison so afraid that day that a miracle had happened, that a possessed man had been made well, 
that an outcast had all of a sudden been welcomed back into the fold, that they were being asked to look at this man and at themselves and at their past treatment of him differently because of what Jesus had done. Maybe all of that is the same kind of thing that made so many, that still makes too many, uncomfortable and unwilling to acknowledge the beauty and the fullness of what Juneteenth means. Maybe all of that is why it took so long for the last enslaved people in our country to get the good news of their liberation, because their enslavers couldn't see their humanity, or if they could see it, they refused to acknowledge or atone for how they depressed them so sinfully for so long. Maybe it's why there were armed white people protesting and terrorizing a Juneteenth celebration in Tennessee yesterday. In that same speech about the 4th of July by Frederick Douglass, he also says simply, oppression makes a wise man mad. Crazy mad, not angry mad. Oppression makes a wise man mad. And maybe that's what was up with that guy who was possessed and cast out and living in the tombs of Gerasa in Jesus' day. Oppression makes a wise man mad. I think Jesus would agree. And I think this miracle with the possessed man, with those exercised demons and the drowned pigs, is a picture of God's judgment against oppression of any kind. I think it's a picture of God's call for justice in an unfair world. And I think it's an invitation on a day like Juneteenth to celebrate that justice when it comes, to work toward more of it however we're able and to hope always for that kind of liberty and justice for all, and to mean it. Amen.